Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, great church. I bring you greetings from Joburg, from Every Nation Ramsach specifically, uh, from Pastor Andrew, from Pastor Sergey. Many of you know them, but they they sent all their love and wish they were here. And many of my church wish they were here. I've sent them back pictures and they say, when can we come? (laughs) So next time I come, I'll bring a whole contingent. How's that? (laughs) So great to be with you. Lord Jesus, I just pray. Lord God, come. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We open our hearts to you, Lord God. Lord God, we... Father God, I long for so much more than just a talk, just a sermon, Lord God. I I want an encounter with you for every person here. Lord God, I want their hearts touched, their minds changed, their, their souls wrapped in the truth, the knowledge, and the love of Jesus Christ. Lord God, I pray that no one would leave here the same. I pray that no one would... Father God would would leave here with baggage, bondage, hurt. Father God, I pray that people would see the light of the truth of your gospel today, Lord. And Father God, I ask for grace upon myself to preach your word your way, Lord, to follow you and to make you known. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. amen. We have been speaking about foundations this whole week, and we have been emphasizing the fact that without foundations, nothing will happen in your life. How many of you have been to the beach? I, I absolutely, I mean, Swakamoy, that is the beach of all beaches. I mean, the memories I have of Swakamoy are just magnificent. That little cove, that hotel on the left, that raft out in the middle of the sea that my children swam to and then got swept away by the current and we needed the lifeguards to come and get them. Just happy times. (laughs) Happy times. My dad and my mom would take us to the beach every year. And when we would go to the beach, we had this habit. We would go down to like the perfect place where that sand was just wet and just dry, just the perfect amounts, and we would build a sandcastle. You remember those sandcastles you built? And you know, we would spend hours on it. I mean, it had turrets, it had moats, it had roads leading up to it, it had windows made of shells, it had beautiful flags made out of seaweed, and maybe, maybe even a few plastic bags put in here and there. I mean, we, we did the works. We worked for hours and hours on those castles. We, we left there, like, you know, when we left that beach, we knew we had made our mark. We knew, the world knew that we had been there. I mean, we had a castle with rooms upon its rooms. I mean, it was magnificent. And we would leave there so confident of what we had built and what we had done. Of course, we would arrive at the beach the next day. And you know, you know, the sea had come and I mean, not even like a dent in the sand where the moat had been. You know, it was just like we had never been there. We had never been there. You know, I feel like 
I feel like no matter how much effort we put into our lives, how we decorate it, how we put shell windows in it, how hard we work, how, how much we dig beautiful moats, how much we decorate it with gold, pearls, silver, you name it, with our, our great efforts, our magnificent testimonies, no matter how much we do that, try to make our mark, leave a, a stamp of our having been there on this life, If we don't put foundations in, the elements will just come and wipe it away. Wipe it away. The reason castles on a beach don't last is because they have no foundations. They have no foundations. And you know, as we go about life, no matter what we put into it, without the right foundations, you cannot succeed. You cannot succeed. The the waves and the pressures and the... Forces of life will simply come and wash away your efforts. And of course, we are not of those people. We are the kind of people who leave legacies. We are the kind of people who make a difference. We are the kind of people who leave a dent on the world that when we go, the world is different. Why? Because we are the kind of people who put in the right kind of foundations. We do the things on a daily basis that really matter. We put down roots hard and fast. That's the kind of people we are. That's the kind of people Christians are. And I want to talk to you today about the foundation of all foundations. The foundation upon which all foundations are placed. In other words, the most important foundation you will ever lay in your life. If you do not lay this foundation, it doesn't matter what you build from there on out. It will not stand. It will not stand. Who you believe God to be is the most important thing about you. If you believe God is a a distant, uncaring God, you will run about life and just do what you want, hardly giving him a thought. If you believe God is a legalistic, harsh, angry God, you you will work hard to kind of make everything right, but it will be out of fear and it still won't have the right foundation and... Precious will just wash it away, and at some stage, after working hard, you'll just say, this is no good, and you'll go out and rebel and do something you hate. Who God is, is the most important foundation you will ever lay. Your understanding of who He is, is the most important thing you will ever do. The Bible makes two imperative statements about God. The first statement it makes is that God is love. Now, Valentine's Day was a long time ago, but you remember Valentine's Day. And you know, the image of love that is, that is thrown at us on that day consists of like misty-edged pictures You know those pictures, those little red hearts scattered all over, little fluffy teddy bears. And sometimes when we think of love, we think of love as an ooey-gooey, sweet, mystical thing. 
But that's not the love of God. That's not the love that the Bible describes God being. The love that God is, is an unquenchable desire to see the good of the other person above their own. It's a demanding love, a demanding passion that says, I must be with that person. It's a strong, a strong and and manly exhibition of protection, of love, of support for the one that he loves. God's love is majestic, powerful, good, whole, and you were born for it. Love cannot exist outside of relationship. I mean, if I, if I say I'm love, if, if I were to mark myself by love, you would say, show me the people you've loved. Give me examples. Let, let me see your love. Love cannot exist just on its own. The God Allah, he cannot be love. Why can he not be love? Because he's a singularity. He's just by himself. He, there's nothing. Like before, if he were a creator, which he's not, if he were a creator, he, he would have had eternity before creation just by himself. You can't be loved by yourself. You cannot mark yourself with something that you're not. That you're not. He cannot be love. Besides the fact that he doesn't exist. But we have a God that's different. We have a God that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's not a singularity. He's a community. He's one God with many parts. He's one God together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And within himself, he is love. Before creation, for eternity, the Father was loving the Son. The Son was loving the Spirit. The Spirit was loving the Father. They, they lived in this community of beautiful, perfect, immaculate love. It was so majestic, so fantastic. He is so glorious that, that he said, this love, I don't know if he said this exactly, but this love is worth making bigger. This w- love is worth being more. You were created. You were created as the object of God's love. God was, when he created, he was being love and creating an object, something for him to love. Your primary purpose, your primary purpose is not to have a good job. Although that's a great thing, have a good job. But you're not born to have a great job. You're not born to have a great marriage. Have a great marriage, yes, that's part of the whole package, but... At its essence, you were born to receive the love of God. You were born to be loved. The human heart was made for love. And humanity around the world is seeking. They don't know what they're seeking, but there's something missing, and they're crying out for something, find, trying to find it in all kinds of things. And if we look at the very essence of what they are trying to find, it's the love of God, because they were born for it. They were made for it. A human being is not fully human unless they are receiving the love of God. God is love. But there's something else that God is. God is holy. Holiness. Take a deep breath. What is holiness? 
popular opinion will tell us that holiness means don't drink, don't smoke, and don't sleep around. But you can't define God by things that he's not. Who, what is holiness? Holiness is not a set of rules and regulations. It's not like a high standard that if you don't meet it, you get beaten up. What is holiness? Holiness is the nature of God. God is holy. Who God is, is what holiness is. It's absolute purity. Holiness, holiness can be seen, just a glimmer of holiness can be seen when you stand on a mountaintop and you survey the beautiful creation and everything's still and perfect and new and lovely and the morning light is just coming up. That's just like a drop of God's holiness, his perfection, his majesty. When you look at a beautiful diamond that's shining in the light and everything's right and crystal clear and in its place, that's a tiny glimmer of God's holiness. Like we were made for God's love, we are made for his holiness. The human heart loves beauty. The human heart loves majesty. The human heart loves purity. We love it, and when we see it, our hearts resonate. Yes, we want that. We love that because we were made for it, because God is holy. But now... There's something wild about this. If unholiness were to be found in God, he would no longer be God because God is holy. Unholiness cannot be found in God. Which would mean, say by some wild, wild chance, a drop of unholiness were to find itself in God's presence, it would be obliterated before it could even exist. It would be just annihilated. Because God is holy. His holiness is encompasses everything. It's not like it even has to destroy unholiness. It's just unholiness cannot be there. Our heart longs, longs for love, longs for the holiness of God. But unholiness has been found in us. What does that mean? What is the answer to this dilemma? We are longing for something that were, were we to pursue it, were we to force ourselves into God's presence and try to be a part of that beautiful love and holiness that he is, if we were to force ourselves in there, it would be, we'd be obliterated like that. Oh, unholiness cannot be found in him and unholiness is found in us. Think back on your life. I mean, I think you can all say at some stage, at some stage, there was at least one unholy thought. Or am I like the only one? I mean, just, just think back. There, there's some actions, some thoughts that are just, they're unholy. They're not pure, wholesome, good, right, pure. So how is this dilemma to be fixed? How many of you saw the movie Avatar? I know it was a long time ago, but man, it was a great movie. Wasn't, wasn't that a great movie? Is there anyone here who hasn't seen Avatar? I'm so sorry. <laughs> but the story goes that humanity has, has moved into the cosmos and we have colonized this far-off planet. And at the, this planet is magnificent, absolutely beautiful, everything you could imagine and want in a planet. It's fantastic, except that the air is toxic to humans. 
Humans cannot live there. They cannot breathe the atmosphere and be in that atmosphere. So how did the humans in the movie solve this problem? It sounds quite bizarre when I tell you, but it goes like this, that they captured some of the living, the beings that lived there, which were beautiful blue creatures, large blue creatures. And they captured some of these beings, and I don't know if they extracted the soul of the being or they just put their soul in with the being, but, but they took their human souls and put them in the body of these aliens, blue beings. And then they could venture out into that atmosphere because these bodies could handle that atmosphere. They could breathe the air, they could live in that environment, and the human being could inhabit that body in that environment. It kind of gave them a, a space suit, like a, a planet suit that enabled them, enabled them to live there. What if we could have a heaven suit. What if we could clothe our unholiness with holiness? What if we could be covered in perfection and perfection could move into God's presence and take us into the atmosphere of heaven where we could live, where we could live? That heaven suit is Jesus. When he came and he stepped down out of heaven, he came to make a way to hide us in Him so that we could walk into God's presence and our unholiness would be covered by His holiness and we could live forever in the environment we were designed to be in, the perfect love and the perfect holiness of God. God is love and God is holy. For I am the Lord your God, Leviticus 11 says. Consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy for I am holy. How do we be holy? We hide ourselves in Jesus. We step into him. We allow him to become our covering, our all, our protection, our God. And we move into the presence of God and we become holy. God is love and God is holy. How about this great characteristic of God? God is merciful. Aren't you happy about that? God is merciful. It means we don't get what we deserve. He forgives us. Isn't that great? I mean, come guys, I am so happy. God forgave me. I, I don't know if, I know you didn't need it, but I needed it. I mean, I needed God's mercy. And he extended his mercy to me. Thank you, Lord. He didn't give me what I deserve. He didn't count my sins against me. While I was still a sinner, he died for me. He took the first step. He didn't even wait for me to reach out to him. He stepped down from heaven and found me. He came and rescued me. He grabbed me as I was sinking in that sinking sand and said, no, you won't get this one. His mercy came and found me. His mercy came and found you. His mercy, so beautiful, so wonderful. But you know, God is not just merciful. God is also just I have three children, and they're amazing. They're old now. Well, not old. <laughs> Sorry. If they ever get this podcast, my apologies. They're in their 20s. But when they were young, I have two boys and a girl. I want you to imagine this scenario with me. Joshua comes up to me, and he says, crying. He's like five years old. Mom, Mom, Dave hit me, and he took my toy. 
All the parents in here, you know, you, you, the scenario is coming to your mind. You know, it happened like four times this morning, a couple of times yesterday. You know, it's, it's like the normal parenting problems. So Joshua says this to me, Mom, Mom, imagine if I then said, okay, Dave, I love you. You're so magnificent. I love you. You're so sweet. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I forgive you. Off you go. Every parent in this room, your hair is standing up on end. You're like, what kind of parent is that? Would she please get some parenting tips? Why? Because if I were to just like completely absolve Dave of all wrong, even though he had slapped his brother, stole his toy, hurt him, taken stuff from him, if I were to just completely absolve him, what would I be doing? I'd be being unjust. Why? I would be saying, I love Dave more than I love Josh. I prefer J Dave over Josh. I don't care what Dave does to Josh. Josh, you must just work out your own stuff. Dave, he's the one. God is just. And we should rejoice in that and love that, but it also should make us tremble in our boots because we've all been Joshua and Dave. If you think back across your life, there are some people you've hurt. There are some people you've damaged. And I know you've tried to live a good life, but even despite that, we've done wrong things. I mean, that person yesterday that you shouted at in the traffic, you know, you, you can think, think of countless times where you hurt people extremely or hurt people mildly. To some degree, all of us have our hands stained in blood a little bit. At the same time, sorry, that was Dave. We've all been Joshua. We've all been hurt. <laughs> but Dave and Joshua are great. They're both great. I just, or in case they get the podcast. <laughs> We've all been hurt. We've all had things done to us. Guys, you all have a story. I know you have a story. We live in a fallen world. There's stuff has happened. God's mercy, wanting to forgive you, but he can't, he can't forgive until justice is served because that would make him unjust. Because to forgive you of the wrong you've done means that he can say, I prefer you over the people you've hurt. And God's never going to do that. He's not that kind of parent. So how does this work? Again, the answer is always Jesus. When Jesus hung on the cross, he was looking into your heart. He was looking into the pain, the abandonment, the abuse, the difficulties you've, you've, you've experienced. And he says, give it to me. I'll take it. I'll take the pain. I'll take the rejection. I'll take the heartache. I'll take it all. Give it to me. Give it to me. At the same time, when he hung on that cross, he was looking into your and my heart. And he said, all those times you've damaged people, all the times you've done wrong, all the times you've messed up, all the times you've lived less than you could have, all the time you've missed the mark, all the time you've been less than, than what I made you to be, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. I'll take it too. And then it's like he took Dave's hand and he took Joshua's hand and he said, I've forgiven you and I've dealt with your sin. Be reconciled. 
walk together as brothers. Live this life filled with my love. Jesus did this. He satisfied the justice of God so that God's mercy could be revealed to the world. So that God's mercy could be revealed to the world. God is just. Luke 18 verse 7 says, And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? In other words, God is just. He's going to do it. The last two I want to look at, first of all, is that God is creator. This is a really good thing. Because clearly things have been created. And it's really great to know that the creator is this kind of God. That he's a God of love. That he's a God of justice. That he's a holy God. That he's a merciful God. God is creator. Again, I want to talk a little bit about Joshua. Because he's not here. (laughs) And I can. But when Joshua was young, and imagine he was about five, six, I guess, just loved Legos, and he made the most fantastic Lego creations. I mean, they, they were magnificent. He, he specialized in spacecraft, and he would make these spacecraft. They would go whooping around the room, and he would fly them over, and they would things, and they would land, and they would go to other planets, and oh my gosh, the games were magnificent. And I needed to be a good mom, and so I said one day, Josh, can I play with you? And he said, yes, that's so great. And he handed me one of his magnificent craft, and I grabbed it, and I did what I'd seen him do all the time. I swooshed it through the air. I whooped. I, cra- I bombed things. I made boy noises. I mean, I just, I did it. And I looked over him, expecting to see admiration on his face. And soon he was looking at me like, what is your problem? <laughs> so I paused. Good thing to do and waited for him to explain. And he turned to me and he said, Mom, that's not a spacecraft. That goes on the ground and it goes like this. And he made all the other kind of boy noises that go with land cruisers. (laughs) And you know, I could have have turned to Josh and said, you don't know what you're talking about. This is a spacecraft. But he made it. He gets to define it. He made it, he gets to define it. So I put my pride behind me, grabbed that thing, and did my little mom duty for the day. (laughs) If God made you, he gets to define you. If God made you, he gets to define you. You are not who the world says you are. You are not who your parents say you are, necessarily. You're not who your friends say you are. You're not who the magazines say you are. It's not, you're not who popular opinion says you are. You're not who the LGBTQ, XYZ, love you all movement says you are. You are who God says you are. And here's the wild thing. He probably says you are far more than you think you are. I promise you. I promise you, your goals for your life are less than God's goals for your life. I promise you that your idea of who you could be in Him are far less than His ideas of who you could be in Him. The best thing you can do with your life is agree with God about who you are. Agree with God. Listen, at first, it may not fit so well. 
you know, at first agreeing with God about who he says you are may like, be like a suit that's a little bit small or tight. Or, but as you practice wearing it, you'll find yourself fitting better and better. You'll find yourself being more like that. You'll find yourself more like he says you are. God is creator. The other thing that God is, is that God is gracious. Grace. Amazing grace. Grace is amazing. That's why they wrote that song. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. People often misunderstand grace. Often misunderstand grace. It's probably one of the biblical concepts that I hear misused the most. Often people use grace as a license to just live however they want to. Oh, God will have grace. God will understand. God will forgive me. No, that's not grace. That's not grace. That's mercy. And thank God for mercy. Us not getting what we deserve. Thank God. Mercy is what keeps you alive. Mercy is what keeps you from the punishment of God. Mercy is what stays away the negative effects of your actions. That's God's mercy. Praise God for mercy. Praise God for mercy. But here's the thing. Mercy doesn't save you. Mercy doesn't save you. The Bible's very clear. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. Grace saves you. So what is grace? Mercy stops the judgment of God, but grace saves you. How does grace save you? Because grace is a spiritual reality. Grace is God coming. The, the Bible tells us that grace is the power and ability to say no to unrighteousness and yes to righteousness. The Bible tells us that grace is a gift. It's not something you earn. Grace, God being gracious means that he comes and says to you, I see your struggles. I know your pain. How about we do it this way? How about I come and live inside of you, and every time you're facing a problem, instead of you trying to solve it, how about I solve it? How about I work through you, and I make you into something you were not before? That's why it's called being born again. Because you really and truly become a new creation, as 2 Corinthians 5 tells us. You're a new creation in Christ. That means that God's grace is a gift to you to make you something you weren't before. It's his presence in you empowering you to do what you could not do before. I've got a really great story about this. So some years ago, when my children were young, lots of children's stories right now, all happened in Namibia. That's why I'm here. It's, my memory is running. But I wanted to be the best mom there was. I mean, I read the books, I did the teachings, went to the seminars, I did it all. I was going to, I have a little bit of a competitive streak, so I was going to be like the best mom around. I was going to be the better mom than anyone else. And I worked super hard at it. I mean, I, I, I never even used purity. I made my own baby food. Come on, come on, come on. I mean, I mean, I was hardcore, hardcore, hardcore. But I noticed this thing, that the harder I tried, the more I failed. 
And you know, just in the moment of me like doing something splendid, something would happen and I would just lose it and I would shout and I, oh, I would just not be a great mom. And the harder I tried, the worse it got. The more stressed I got, the more I lost it. We, we had a special name for this, this kind of behavior. We called it Dragon Mom. And you know, I would, be doing, I would be doing fine. You know, like the first time something happened, you know, they spilt the porridge. I was, I was good. Kept my cool, handled it well, was loving and kind. You know, the, 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 then the, you know, this one hit that one. I was good. Then the first time the crayons went on the wall, I was good. The first time the, the bookshelf knocked over, I was good. The first fight, I was good. You know, maybe up to like the fifth, tenth time something happened in the day, I was holding it together. And then the eleventh came and I could just feel Dragon Mom rising. <laughs> you know, Dragon, every, every time something happened, Dragon Mom got a little bit higher and a little bit higher and a little bit higher. And they say, Psh, Dragon Mom's out. There she goes. So I knew I was hurting my children. I was hurting the ones I loved the most. And I went before God and I said, God, you've got to help me. God, we've got to kill this dragon mom. Slaughter her. Annihilate her. Do whatever you have to do. Get rid of dragon mom. And so I'm in God's presence and I'm asking him and I'm expecting some great revelation. You know, it's just some angel or something. <laughs> Instead, all I hear is this in my heart. Lean on my grace. Lean on my grace. And I'm like, gosh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Lean on my grace. What do you mean? What do you mean? And that's all I hear. So we, we head into the next day and things, you know, things are going. I'm feeling Dragon Mon coming. I'm feeling, and I think, oh, I'm supposed to lean on his grace. What does that mean? Oh my gosh, where, I, I need to go and seek God. So the, where's the quietest house in a, a place in a house where they're young children? The bathroom. Head, exactly, exactly. All the moms, I got you, I got you, I know, I know your struggles, I know it. <laughs> into, the, into the bathroom, lock the door, on my knees, hugging that toilet for other reasons. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I'm coming to lean on your grace. Coming to lean on your grace. I, w I was going to say I wish angels had come, and I do wish it, I I would love, love that, but I, it wasn't angels. It wasn't like uh, trumpets from heaven. It was just like a feeling that everything was going to be okay. It was like a feeling like, don't worry, I got this one. And I went out of there, and Dragon Mon was gone. Like, oh, cool. Had a good day. Next day, <laughs> Dragon Mon's coming into that bathroom. Lock that door. Mo Lord, Lord, I'm leaning on your grace. Thought comes to mind. The children are tired. Why don't you just make them a sandwich and read to them? Did it. Everything's cool. Everything's cool. And so, and so it happened. Every time I went into that bathroom, after a while I could do it not being in the bathroom. You know, I, learned the, I learned the technique. But basically, what I did is, every time I felt the stress rising, I felt my abilities not being adequate. I took the gift of grace. And what I did, I said, God, help me. God, I need you. God, show me what to do. And some wisdom would come. Some thought would come. Some peace would come. Sometimes he would say things to me. You just think you failed. But you're not. 
I love who you are. And just the peace of that would, would make all the difference. And then I wasn't trying so hard. Lean on his grace. God is creator, but he's also gracious. The point of this is that from time immemorial, God's plan was to live with mankind. God's plan was to live with mankind. And Jesus is always the answer. Through Jesus, he was able to live with you and me. And the gift of grace, his indwelling presence within us, empowering us to do what we could not do before, is his gift to us to say, I will make you who I say you are. I will make you who I say you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Who is God? God is love. God is holy. God is merciful. God is just. God is creator. And God is gracious. Can we give the Lord a hand? I think it's worth it. Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone here. Lord God, this is the most important foundation we'll ever lay. Everything depends on this. Who we believe you to be, who we know you to be, makes the difference in everything. Lord God, I ask that you would touch our hearts, renew our minds, give us a revelation of Jesus that will surpass anything we've known before, that will supplant all the wrong thinking. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, as I've been preaching, there are some people here and You may have been in church a long time, or maybe this is your first time in church, but as you hear this, you realize this God she's talking about, the way she's explaining God, is quite different from the way I've imagined God before. And really, maybe for the first time, you're understanding what it means to have Jesus as Lord. You thought it meant that you're supposed to get your life right, make things better, fix things, be a better person, be a cooler person, whatever it is. You, you thought that that was success in life. That meant being right. And now you see that it's about hiding yourself in Christ. It's about allowing him to be the holiness you can't be, about allowing him to be the righteousness you can't be. It's about not trying harder but surrendering to him more. Giving, giving him leadership and ownership of your life more. It's acknowledging that the work on the cross enabled you to come to him and receive this free gift of grace. And so if, if you're here and, and you realize you want to make a change, you don't, want to, you don't want to live in charge of your life anymore and you want to live with him in charge and you want to live hidden in him, with his glory being the manifestation of your life instead of your own efforts. And if that's you and you want to do that, I would love you to just raise your hand where you are so that I can pray with you. Is there anyone who would like to do that? Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who would like to do that? Who would like to make that change? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else who would like to do that?
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You can, you can drop your hands. Can we all pray this together, church? Lord Jesus, I come to you and I acknowledge I've lived my life in a way where you haven't been in charge. And Lord, I, I repent and turn from that. And I turn to you. Lord, I come and hide myself in you. I thank you for the work you did on the cross. And Lord, I ask that you would fill me with your presence, that you'd cause me to be born again, and you would give me the free gift of your grace. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen and amen. Church, can I ask you a favor? Can we all stand? And those of you who raised your hands, as a way of saying, I really meant this. This wasn't just some, some quiet thing, but this was, this was something I really intend to live out. I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind coming to the front, just as a way of saying, yes, I'm standing by this commitment I've made. Can we give them a hand as we come? Come on up. Come on up. Come and face me because I want to lay hands on you. Is that okay? So great to have you. Church, give them another hand. Look at these beautiful, beautiful women. Extend your hands to them. Lord Jesus, I pray for each of these. For each of these. Lord God, what, what amazing people they are. I, I, see, I see who God made you. I see who God made you. And it's beautiful. And it's lovely. And it's magnificent. And it's filled with His holiness and His love and His majesty. I see it in you. I see it in you. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I want to pray right now that you would fill them. Fill them with that beautiful gift of grace. Come and dwell inside of them. Holy Spirit, be in them now. Be in them now and forever, Lord God. Thank you for your promise that said, you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want you to all look up and just look me in the eye. We see you. We delight in you. You belong. You're known. God loves you. Thank you. Thank you for making this commitment. Thank you for being brave. We appreciate you. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.